Hey, everybody. Welcome to Trashy Divorces, Trashy Breakups Edition. Wednesdays every week. My name is Stacy. I'm Alicia. It's our Wednesday spooktacular. We got our black cat here to help. Always. You're bringing us the follow-up Trashy Divorce from Sunday. Before mm-hmm. we start on that, can I just do a quick request? I hope you will. For the Trash Panda Nation. Y'all, this Sunday on Trashy Divorces, we want to answer your trashy questions. You got trashy questions. We got trashy answers. You can send your questions to us at trashydivorces at gmail.com mm-hmm. or call and leave a voicemail. Stacy, what's that number? That number is 404-594-3658. We can't wait to read your trashy questions. Trashy voicemail box. I love it. Thank you very much for that. Stacy, mm-hmm. tell us about Helena Bottom Carter. I shall. So, Alicia, on Sunday, you introduced us to two people that I think it's safe to say are universally loved in the form of Emma Thompson and Ken Branagh, the actors. Representing a large percentage of the 20 British actors there are. Indeed. Indeed. They're five-ish year We're long. We're going to talk about the other, the yes, other percentage several, today. <laughs> several more of them. Their five-ish year long marriage, which happened to overlay much of that wonderful time in filmmaking when the Merchant Ivory Company was churning out beautiful period pieces, usually featuring a multi-generational cast of characters played by the UK's very top talent. Love those movies. It represented another kind of English royalty to us over here in the colonies. Alas, the Emma and Ken monarchy was not to be. Emma, born 1959, and Ken, born 1960, were ripped asunder by the malign influence of another rising star of the UK's performer class. At least that's how the press told the story. And when Helena Bonham Carter would later begin another relationship with another director, with another woman waiting for him at home, that was all the tabloids needed to tar her reputation for years. We're going to get into all of it. Oh, goody. Mm-hmm. Helena Bonham Carter was born May 26, 1966, in Islington, London, and God, I hope Google did not lead me astray in the pronunciation of that. Apologies, if so. The Bonham Carter family has been active in British politics since the late 1700s or something. Mm -hmm. And Helena's paternal great-grandfather was H.H. Asquith, who was the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom during the first half of World War I. That's a pretty impressive Mm -hmm. family lineage. Oh, it gets better. Oh, my. Her mother's lineage is also quite prestigious. Her maternal grandfather was a Spanish diplomat in Paris who issued travel documents to 30,000 French Jews to get them out of Nazi-occupied France during World War II. Holy cat. Yeah, and her maternal grandmother came from a prominent French-Jewish banking family. She was a baroness. I mean, like... Taking all of this into consideration, we can imagine that her childhood and the childhoods of her two older brothers were slated to be quite comfortable and perhaps even posh, as I think you guys say. But fate had other plans for the family. When Helena was five, her mother had a nervous breakdown, and it took her about three years to fully recuperate from that. Oh, no. Fascinatingly, though, this experience led her to become a psychoanalyst, which continues to be her profession to today, I believe. When Helena was 13, a botched surgery left her father paralyzed and partially blind. 
So I think it's not really a mystery how their youngest child decided that a life of make-believe was a an entirely reasonable career choice for herself. Makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. So uh, in 2020, there was a profile of Helena in The Guardian written by Hadley Freeman. And Freeman asks whether her tween turn to acting was an escape from the pain that she and her family were experiencing. And she said, God, yes. I was like, I'm going to make my own world. I had this thing on my wall that says, fuck this, I'm off to Narnia. And it's absolutely that. <laughs> Perfect. Going into a world that's ordered and where you know what's going to happen and who you're meant to be, you can create your own story. So with no acting training whatsoever, 13-year-old Helena Bonham Carter won a national writing contest in 1979, and she used the prize money to pay to be listed in the Spotlight Directory, which is like where agents and casting directors go to find actors. I mean, this was pre-internet, obviously, but... This is amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so this is how she ended up with an agent and getting into working on the screen. So at 16, she was in a TV commercial. She had her first feature acting experience in a little made-for-TV movie. 85, 86, she was in a room with a view. She played Lady Jane. She played Don Johnson's love interest in one season of Miami Vice in the late 80s as she tried to get out of. She was sort of being typecast as a corset queen. She joked at one point that she was probably just going to go ahead and get some ribs removed since this was her future. Because oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> she had the like English rose looks. 100%. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, still does. Like, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, Don Johnson, I had no idea that that was a thing and it made me want to go hunt down that season. In 1994, she was cast in Kenneth Branagh's directorial debut, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, and a romance with the married director bloomed. He and Emma divorced in 1995, and he and Helena tried to, I think, be discreet, but there were rumors, obviously. So they didn't reveal their romance in the press until 97, but I think we know what the tabloid industry is like. In 1999, her publicist released a statement that just said, I am very sad to confirm that Kenneth Branagh and I are no longer together. The decision was mutual, and no one else was involved. Beyond that, I have no further comment to make, and I hope the press will respect our privacy, which it is known for doing. In the 2020 Guardian piece, it is clear that she's not that interested in reminiscing about their time together. (laughs) She says, quote, Oh, Ken... I didn't really live with Ken. Did I work with Ken? And the writer mentions the film The Theory of Flight that they were both in together. And and she says, yes, but he didn't direct that, although it's arguable that he thought he was directing. Oh, my. (laughs) (laughs) So she goes on to say that Ken avoided directing me once we were together because it can be complicated. And I think he didn't want. Anyway, that's all blood under the bridge. Blood under the bridge. Which is precisely the phrase Emma Thompson used in 2013. Uh-huh. Not water under the bridge. Not water. And I, I there's a site on the internet that suggests this may be blood in the water and water under the bridge sort of. Anyway, they all, this comes up when they're all talking about how cool they are with each other now and how. It's all blood under the water. We don't dwell. We don't dwell. But interesting, right? All right. So. Either everything is super cool with all of them, or that is just what they want the world to think. And with, they're all really Shakespearean With actors. a little bit of fang. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Wow. All right. Okay. So 
The Ken and Emma breakup certainly scandalized the world, but it would also serve as a foundation for even more cruel treatment from the tabloids in her next serious relationship. And when we come back from a short break, we're going to meet our next contestant, the celebrated film director, Tim Burton. He's a little spooky. We'll see you on the flip. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. And we're back. Tim Burton was born August 25th, 1958 in Burbank, California. He geeked out as a kid and teenager over stop motion animation. He had eight millimeter little shorts that he was shooting in the backyard with no sound. He was, he was a movie geek from Go. Love it. He was kind of just a so-so student, but he was a gifted artist and he won some contests as a teenager. Anyway, Disney Studios sponsored him to attend the California Institute of the Arts after high school. So when he graduated from there, he went to work at the House of Mouse, I think, as planned. And he spent the early 80s as an animator, storyboard artist, art director, like... Great way to get in the business. Working through the ranks at the Mouse at Disney. So I hope everyone is familiar at least a little bit with Tim Burton's work, the aesthetic, the visual style he brings to his work, which is... Burton's filmmaking really does play like canvases, like works of art. You can watch a Tim Burton film and know exactly it's a Tim Burton film. Absolutely. Even in his less sort of fanciful movies, there's a particular aesthetic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we are, of course, talking about the creator of Edward Scissorhands, Beetlejuice, The Nightmare Before Christmas, to name just a few of his films from the 80s and 90s. So you can imagine that eventually Tim Burton, Disney animator, was going to collide with Tim Burton, wild creative. And indeed, after, (laughs) after making a Frankenstein parody where a young Victor Frankenstein revives his dog Sparky after he's hit and killed by a car. Oh, no. Disney fired him. Oh. They said it was too dark for kids. Too dark for Disney. Uh, this was called Frankenweenie, which I believe is available on oh my. the internet. This was okay, though. It freed him up to go and be Tim Burton, after all, so everything worked out fine. He married for the first time in the mid-80s, but that only lasted four years. 
1991, he moved on with model and actress Lisa Marie. They became engaged on Valentine's Day 1993, although they opted for a very long engagement because when they split years and years later, they still had not walked down the aisle. Lisa Marie would appear in much of his 90s-era work, including Sleepy Hollow, Ed Wood, Mars Attacks. She also had a small part in his 2001 remake of Planet of the Apes, a film where Helena Bonham Carter was one of the leads. She spent the whole time in a latex ape costume, like most of the actors did. Lisa Marie did? No, um, Helena Bonham Carter did. Oh, so she got out of that corset. (laughs) Is that a step up? I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) This was also the film where Tim fell in love with Helena in her latex ape costume. There's a little bit of poster on the wall stuff here. I know you love that concept. And it was on both sides. Apparently, uh, she had really been into Edward Scissorhands back in the day. And you can see this, her style, her fashion sense She says that sometimes she will try to dress like a normal person, but it just never works. She often looks like a Tim Burton film. Yes. Yes. Same same aesthetic. Yeah, they they meshed (laughs) in a really, really nice way. So yeah, she was big into Edward Scissorhands. And years into their relationship, they had had two kids together. By the time Tim pulls out a sketch that he had made of her 10 years before they met. What? So they had been each other's posters on the on wall. The wall. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So yes, as noted, they shared an aesthetic and a fashion sense. And after he moved to London and they bought houses next to each other and connected them. Really? Mm-hmm. Life moved on to include those two kids together. They would make eight movies together during their relationship. And they've worked together afterwards as well. There is a lot to recommend about this genius plan. You got the your two house. houses. I got my house. We have a connection between them. Mm-hmm. That is, she says, like, you know, his house is the family house and my house is my retreat. We see each other more than we see anyone else. And it is helpful to know that we have separate places to go. It's a great plan. It's a great plan. I mean, if, you know, if the housing market ever allows for the reasonable purchase of two properties, do it. Does that make for a better relationship when there's not just a one bathroom home that you're trying to share? It's a lot of bathrooms, I bet. Real trashy thoughts right here from your friends at Trashy Divorces. Please very, continue, Very lucky. <laughs> so many bathrooms. Okay. Lisa Marie, his ex. Oh, God, I forgot about her. <laughs> right. Well, hmm, uh, she felt very poorly used by her breakup with Tim. Not only did her long relationship suddenly snap to a close... But her ex moved to the other side of the world, seemingly on a whim. Wow. Financial promises that she says Tim made to her during their almost decade-long relationship were, in her mind, unfulfilled, even though the two had negotiated a financial and property settlement when they, when they broke up. Time did not heal this wound for Lisa Marie. And in 2005, Lisa held a yard sale billed as Tim Burton's garage sale. No. Which promised movie memorabilia, props from movie sets, and various other things from her decade or so. You're joking. Oh, I'm not. The New York Times dispatched a writer to cover it (laughs) and noted that many of the fans who showed up that day were disappointed. Lisa, it turns out, had gotten a private offer to buy the actual most like movie memorabilia, like the Probably the stuff that people really wanted to come and see. Sure. So what was left? Yeah. So they'd picked that up the night before. 
There were various things, posters, there was some furniture. But left unfulfilled. Yeah, it was not, it was, I think the good stuff had, had been trucked out already. Lisa's lawyer is quoted in the piece as saying, quote, she is trying to separate herself from a very traumatic event in her life, the end of her relationship with Tim. Her purpose is to move forward and leave the past behind her. Yeah, Marie Kondo, all that, girl. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tim's spokesman also had some words in the piece. <laughs> oh, goody. He's very upset that items that perhaps at one time belonged to him are being sold in a garage sale, and he is looking at his legal options. Apparently, even this like extreme Marie Kondoing did not create the healing that Lisa was hoping for. So she sued Tim for fraud in 2006. Oh, my God. She claimed that he and his associates had conspired to fraudulently convince her that she could not win a palimony suit when they broke up and therefore accept a lowball settlement offer. Uh, although later this was revealed to be in the $5.5 million range. That's not lowball, baby. It's really not lowball. And it included rights to a co-op apartment in New York City, a Jaguar coupe. Her suit was thrown out in 08, but... Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm trying to muster the sympathy, but I mean, breakups are sad. Breakups suck. Six million bucks and a jag are probably going to make me feel a lot better about that breakup. I Yeah. For her part, Helena Bonham Carter has expressed that she has at times felt quite maligned by the British press. <laughs> Shocker. In 2002, she was quoted as saying, I'm a habitual serial homebreaker, apparently. It gets frustrating because I know the story and the truth of it. It is very hurtful, and frankly, some of the things I have been called are quite libelous, but it's part of the price of being in the public eye. The tabloids, of course, were quite happy to run anonymous quotes from friends of Lisa Marie from the Planet of the Apes set. Oh, I bet. As in, yeah, a mirror piece from the same year, O2, where anonymous voices implied that Helena had befriended Lisa just to steal her boyfriend. Oh, no. With one fuming, doesn't Helena Bonham Carter break everyone up? Which is, yes, she's a superhero, and the men involved <laughs> power. have no, like, anyway. Like, again, breakups suck. I get it. I get it, but... Hey, Marvel, breakup villain is yes. who you're really going for. I would see that movie. Come on, DC. <laughs> Casting it for you right here, TM. So Helena and Tim were together for about 13 years. That is an extraordinarily long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they announced at the end of 2014 that they had broken up earlier that year. In the Guardian piece, she says that because of their kids and her respect for Tim, they don't talk about the specifics in the media, which is a very good policy. But she implies it was a decision that Tim himself came to and one which she had to learn to accept which was not simple, I believe. Hmm. Still, they are quite close. They co-parent their kids. And, you know, to this day, fun bit of trivia, no one outside of them is quite sure whether they ever got married or not. She talks about their divorce, but no one knows whether that's a metaphor. When or, the wedding was? Interesting. Yeah. Or if just that is just how it felt to... You know, 13 years, it would a, feel like a divorce. It would feel like a divorce. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially with, with kids' stuff to work out. And I think he lives half-time in California anyway. So, yeah, lots going on. So, Tim has reportedly been dating 
an actress named Eva Green. She was a Bond girl. She's also been in several of his films now, including Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. I know you love the book. That was a fantastic book. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen the movie. But... I haven't. Okay. Well, she's in it. Helena is apparently quite happy with a non-famous guy that she met at a wedding in 2019, and they've been together ever since. Oh, good on her. I'm going to close with an anecdote from the Hadley Freeman piece in The Guardian, because I know a lot of our listeners are big fans of The Crown on Netflix, where Helena played Princess Margaret, who we have discussed with genuine amusement in several episodes along the way. Freeman writes, Bonham Carter has not one but two connections to Princess Margaret. One of her uncles dated her. Really? (gasps) And she is a cousin by marriage to Princess Margaret's former lady-in-waiting, Anne Glen Connor. Interesting. And so Helena says, She was dimly in the back of my childhood, people saying, There's a princess in the room. I remember once backing into her and (laughs) and her giving me one of her sharp looks. I know that look. Mm-hmm. So years later, Bonham Carter encountered her again at, you know, one of those dues. The princess recognized her and said, quote, you are getting better at acting. <laughs> That's quite a high compliment from Princess so, Margaret. Yep. So Helena says that was so her. She used to put people down in a sort of compliment. And uh, Freeman says that Bonham Carter says this almost admiringly. So... So there is there is the love life of one of my very favorite actresses, Helena Bonham Carter. I don't have trash cans for it. I don't think I, I don't think she's trashy. And you will not convince me otherwise. Okay. You are the writer of that story. <laughs> I'm gonna go with that. I'm not gonna argue. In our all treats, no tricks month. You set the rules, Stacey. It is October. Fight Club, man, like she is just She's an extraordinary mm, actress. Yeah. I so, like her. I like her too. I, I like, I mean, I, everybody's good in this story. This was a pretty yeah. feel-good, trashy story all around. Yeah, I think so. Um, what I like best, though, is that now having actually spent some time researching her, I still like her and maybe like her more. So that's always a win from my perspective when I go in on someone I'm a fan of. So You keep on working out that index card, honey. You keep on working <laughs> it out. Thank you, everybody, for joining us today. We appreciate you coming to hang out with us on Trashy Breakups. We'll mm-hmm. be back Sunday with, ooh, some blurred lines of a trashy divorce, as well as our trashy Q&A. Don't forget to send your questions to trashydivorces at gmail.com or leave them on our voicemail box, 404-594-3658. Both of those you will put in the show notes as well, right, Stacy? I will, yes. Fantastic. All right. And with that... Enjoy the rest of your week, and we will talk to you again on Sunday. Oh, my gosh. Have the best week, and yeah, keep it trashy, friends. Mm-hmm. And thanks to you for listening. Trashy Divorces is a Hemlock Creatives production created and produced right here in Atlanta, Georgia by us, Stacy and Alicia, with a little research and writing help from the brilliant Melissa O. Our art is by Sydney V. Smith. That's Sydney V. Smith at CarbonMade.com. And our music is used with permission of Ratsy. Check her out at Ratsy's store on Instagram and definitely drop into Ratsy's store anytime you're in Oberlin, Ohio.
You can contact us at TrashyDivorces at gmail.com or find us on the World Wide Web at TrashyDivorces.com. If you need more trash candy in your life, our Patreon community includes some of the very best humans around and thousands of hours of bonus content at every level of support. Join the fun at Patreon.com slash TrashyDivorces. Interested in some Trashy Divorces swag? Check out our merch shop and Trash Panda Enthusiasm Society at bit.ly slash trashy gear. Want to advertise with us? Reach out to sales at advertisecast.com for more information. And last but not least, come play with us on social media. I keep most of our Trashy Divorces Instagram hopping. Stacy and I share it up over on Facebook, including our Trashy Divorces podcast discussion group. Come join us over there and thanks again everybody for listening. Keep it trashy y'all.